You are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. Have you ever wondered uh, what Jesus would think if he came to a Graceway service? I actually think about this uh, a fair amount. I think that uh, it would take us a while to notice him. Uh, No entourage, no swag, no bling. Probably didn't drive an expensive car. He probably Ubered. No suit. Didn't really stand out in any way. He wouldn't have seen a glow around him. He wouldn't have been on an escalator of clouds. He comes in, and, and I doubt he would have sit on the front row. I think he'd probably sit beside somebody who needs sat, needed sat beside. Shout out, balcony. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I doubt that we would even know it was him for the entire service. We're singing to him. We're talking about him. And I want you to imagine that at the end of the service, here he comes walking down, and security tries to stop him. He introduces himself. Hi, I'm Jesus. What? The Jesus? Yeah. The way, the truth, and the life. Why didn't she say something? I was actually talking about you. You could have talked about you yourself. Would have been a lot better. No, no, you did good. A little long, but it was fine. (laughs) And I would imagine that there would be some things about our gathering that were strange to him. Like, why do you have so many clocks? You got some place to be? Well, actually, there's a game. A game? Yeah, the Chiefs. They start at noon. The Chiefs? Yeah. You should. Oh. Yeah. No, we just like it to be done on time because, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's fair, Jesus. And like, oh, this is cool. Like the lights and and this, whatever this is called. Right? Like, why? Why why do we need that? I don't know. We, We just feel cool when we do it, I guess, Jesus. And the coffee. Explain to me, the, you, you all drink a lot of coffee. Why? We're, well, we're tired. Why? Why are you tired? Like, what, what do you got going on that you got to drink that much coffee? And then I think you say this, now the donuts. I like the donuts. The donuts are awesome. In fact, I think there's a lot that he would like. I think that, uh, I think that he would like that there's all kinds of different people here. Yeah. I think you would say something, you know, uh, where I came from looks like this. Yeah. I like this. A lot of churches I go to, everyone looks the same. Not here. I like that. Yeah. And I like, I like y'all smile. Y'all smile a lot. And, you're, and, and, and this is what I hear about Graceway again and again and again. Um, you're kind. I like that. I think Jesus said, I like the music. But what I really like is, is when people are singing. I love hearing people sing. Some of y'all don't sing so well, but it still sounds beautiful (laughs) to me. I like the baptisms. I like like seeing how how who I am has changed people's lives. And and if the Bible is to be believed, I think think the kids would love Jesus, right? See, the kids were always able to see Jesus for who he was. It's like you get to a certain age and you can't see Jesus because you got all these other things between him and you, not the kids. And, And here's the thing that I'm absolutely sure of. Jesus would love the slides in the lobby, right? Yeah, all you old people complain about them. The kids love them, and Jesus would love them. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that Jesus would, would, would see a lot of things that he liked. And, and I would say, you know, Jesus, all of this is for you. Uh, I'm, I'm a little freaked out that you're here. Like, uh, man, I, 
I, I pray throughout the week that you'll be happy about, can, can we get together and talk about how you feel like it went? And I imagine that Jesus would say, yeah, man, let's, let's get together. I thought it was great, but let's get together. And I, and I would sit down with him and I'd say, you know, tell me some things to look out for. Tell me what you, I just want you to be happy about this. And I think he would say, Matthew 6 and verse 1. You ready? I want you to beware, Graceway, of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might be praised by others. Truly I say to you, you have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not your left hand, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving might be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is going to turn to talk about your righteousness. He's introduced his kingdom, its attributes, the Beatitudes. He's talked about its effect, its salt and light. He talked about its standard internal righteousness, but now takes the conceptual righteousness compared to the Pharisees and says, let's talk about how I want people of faith to view religion in this kingdom. How should they think about the function of their righteousness? And he's going to talk about, for 18 verses, how righteousness should show up in the church. Righteousness in our religious life, and then, for the remainder of the chapter, the rest of our lives. Now, again, he's going to use the Pharisees as he has, but more than anything, he uses their righteousness as a mirror to us for our righteousness. Y'all are doing church a certain way. You're doing spirituality and religion a certain way. Does it match how Jesus wants it to be done? So here's the question. How do you... How do I think about our religious life, our spirituality? Jesus was clear that we should be in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. Don't be conformed to the course of this world. And I would imagine if those times are like these times, that he would also say, and there's some religious norms that I see in church today. I don't want you to be conformed to those either. There's some things happening in the world that I don't want you to be a part of, and there's some things happening in churches that Graceway, I want you to be different than that. Now, we don't want to be critical about those things. We want to be humble about those things, but we absolutely want to agree with Jesus on how this, his family, according to his kingdom, gets run and what gets emphasized. Be distinct in the world and be distinct in the church, Graceway. Jesus is going to give us four things to talk about. You've heard all of them, but Jesus, as usual, is going to say them a little bit differently. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think to yourself, there is a certain way that I've been doing church. I've been doing religion. I've been doing spirituality. And are you willing for Jesus to correct it? Are you willing for Jesus to say, no, 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 I, I, I get all that. I like all that. But have you thought about this? Are you willing for Jesus to take it out of the conceptual, talking about the religious norms of that day, and him to hold a mirror up of what he hopes for Graceway to us, and us go, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Yes, of course we want to change that, Jesus. This is all about you. So the first thing is that religion finds its foundation in, in relationship. Now, you've heard that 
over and over and over again. But watch, as Jesus is talking about religion, 12 times he uses the word father. 12 times. Again and again and again, he talks about your father in heaven, your father who sees, pray to your father, your father knows, our father, your heavenly father will forgive you, your heavenly father provides for you, your heavenly father knows what you need. It's like in all of the construction of religion, he knows that we are prone to lose our relationship to God himself. Think about it in this way. Um, I've been wearing this ring for 21 and a half years. Can you believe I haven't lost it? Yeah, it's crazy. This is the original, the OG wedding ring. Still fits my finger by the grace of God. This ring uh, is not my marriage. So I'm married to Ashley. Uh, we share a house. We share a bank account. We share three kids. We share vacation. We try to share a calendar. Come on, somebody. All right. None of those things are our marriage. Our marriage is a decision that we made till death do us part to have and to hold, to love, to commit in covenant to one another. That, the thing that is between us relationally is our, this and the calendar and all those things are just functions of that relationship. Okay. Uh, religion uh, does not relationship make. It's possible for you to come to church and it not be for God. It's possible for you to sing to God and you to just like the sound of your own voice. It's possible for you to read your Bible because you're afraid to not because what will God do if you don't read your Bible? It's possible for you to give your money. It's possible for you to tell people about Jesus. It's possible for me to preach this message and it to have nothing whatsoever to do in my heart with Jesus, only to do with what you think of me as I talk about Jesus. Religion has a gravitational pull, but religion is different than relationship. It should flow out of relationship, not replace relationship. So here is God's desire. His desire is that our religious practices would be in response to his love for us. I say this to you all the time. God loved you first. God saw you first. God picked you first. God wanted you first. God wanted you when you didn't want him. God chose you when you didn't choose him. God saved you when you were still a sinner. God goes first in everything. The fact that you love God is in response to God love you first. And our religious practices should be responsive and founded in, I just, I just want to do it because I love God. Why do we do 21 days of prayer? Okay, here's the deal. 21 days of prayer is hard, isn't it? Come on, it's okay. You're allowed. Yeah, it's hard. 21 days in a row, especially in January when we're fasting, especially right before the school year starts. It's complicated calendar-wise. So why do we possibly pray for 42 days a year? Here's why. Because I just like to be in God's presence. Because I like hearing from God. I like just being in a room when God says something to somebody else. I just... I haven't found anything else that allows me to experience God familiarly, then let's just, let's just pray together for three weeks in a row, two times a year. Why? Because I just, I love God. Okay. Why in a small group? Okay. Small group, hard to go to. Sometimes the curriculum's boring. Sometimes the person you're in group with is a weirdo. Okay. It's fine. We can say it. It's not always easy. 
So why go to small group? Because I love learning about God and because I know I have a perspective on God that sometimes keeps me from understanding God. But if you say, have you ever thought about this? No, I haven't. I never thought about my marriage like that. I never thought about my finances. I never thought about God like that. And I love being with God and I love learning about God and I need you to show me the things that are blind spots about my relationship with God. Why do we serve? Serving's hard, right? You gotta show up an hour early to hand somebody a cup of coffee, really? You gotta train me on this? Yeah. I gotta show up an hour early to open a door. I'm like, what? Nobody thanks me. Nobody, you know, says attaboy to me. Like, why do I have to do all this? Here's why. Because God loves you, and when you do that simple kindness, it shows them that God loves them too. I just get to share the love of God. Why? I just, I like doing these things because I love God. The relationship has practices that we call religion, but you cannot replace these two things. So Jesus again and again and again says, Father, 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 hey, Father, 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 Father. Yeah. Why? Because he wants you to remember, don't forget God in the midst of all your religion. Don't forget the Father in the midst of all your, all your busyness. Don't, don't forget who you're praying to, singing to in the midst of all the lights and all the thing and all the coffee and all the slides and all the don't. Don't forget that this is singularly about a person whose name is Jesus. This is singularly about a God who loves you. This is singularly about a father who protects and provides, who's good and faithful and strong, who knows you, who wants you, who affirms you, who has affection for you. Don't forget, in the midst of doing all these things for him, don't forget him. Secondly, Jesus says this thing involves practice. Talking about practice. All right. Yeah. He, he doesn't say, beware of practicing righteousness. He says, beware of practicing righteousness to be seen. We do this in the church. For some reason, we think, oh, no, it's only relationship. I don't have to do anything. Let, let's, let's try this. Fellas, go home today and say, hey, babe, uh, I just want you to know that from now on, I'm not going to do anything that shows you that I love you. As long as I have my ring on, you should assume I still do. <laughs> See, all the ladies are laughing, and all the guys are like, finally. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Yeah, no, no, relationships take practices, don't they? Relationships have functions. And what does Jesus say? When, when you do these practices. He doesn't say if. He says when. When you practice your righteousness, beware of practicing it this way. So let's talk about practice. Talking about practice. It's a repetition of righteousness as a destination, meaning what should my righteous response to this be? The practice of that. I find myself in a certain situation, a certain relationship, and I think to myself, when I practice righteousness, what is the righteous thing for me to do right now? Well, how do I know? Well, you're in relationship to a righteous God. Ask him and then don't believe it. Do it. Do that righteousness. And here's what you'll see about righteousness is that righteousness picks up momentum. That righteousness is like a muscle. The more you work it, the bigger it gets. Some of you are like, I don't know why I'm not righteous. And I do. You're sedentary in your righteousness. 
Your righteousness is just a belief. It's not a practice. You got to stretch that thing and squeeze that thing so you can flex that thing. Come on, somebody. All right? And watch what happens. I choose day after day, week after week, month after month to head in the direction of righteousness. And as I exercise that muscle, it grows and it builds momentum. Some of you right now, you're like, I'm completely sideways. I've been acting crazy. I've been acting a fool. I've been hanging with girls who smoke, drink, and smoke and, and chew, right? Like, it's a mess. What should I do? Here's what you should do. I'll make it real easy for you. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Okay, and then what? And then the next right thing. And then what? The next right thing. And then what? This is where you talk back. The next right thing. Yeah, yeah. And what you'll find is that not only does your desire for righteousness grow, but your ability to be righteous grows. So Jesus says, when you practice these things. So here's the question. What does Jesus say we should practice? Uh, If Jesus came here and looked at our practices, would they be the same practices that Jesus assumes that the people of his kingdom will have? That's the question. I wonder if I said, give me the top three practices of righteousness in 2023 in Kansas City today, I wonder if your list would be the same list as Jesus's list. Now, obviously, Jesus is referring to a culture He is comparing to the Pharisees, but at this point, you know, Jesus is a genius and he's playing on all the chessboards, right? And so Jesus references these three things, and of course, they have cultural underpinnings, but I also think that they get at what Jesus is always trying to get at, our heart. Jesus is always trying to get at our heart. And so the three things that Jesus talks about are giving to the needy, praying, and fasting. That's the foundation of your righteousness, Jesus? Yep, that's it, those three things. And let's be straight with one another. I don't like doing any of those. I don't like doing any of those. Now I have a choice at this point to say to Jesus, why? Why are those the things that are the foundation of righteousness? Or to say, cool, I'm gonna keep doing what I want, Jesus. And this is the point at which, Graceway, we have a decision to make. Are we going to be God's people in God's place and in God's time? Are we going to be citizens of the kingdom that will one day come? Are we going to do it God's way? Or are we just going to go with the flow of evangelicalism in the West today? You think about these three things and, whew, some things would change if we emphasize these three things. Let's talk first about almsgiving, giving to the needy. Now, the Pharisees had turned this into an external exercise. Jesus says, when, 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 not if, when, turn to your neighbor and say when, not if. When you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, (laughs) I love this, do not blow a trumpet on the way. Wait, what? (laughs) Here's what, here's what the Pharisees are doing. Here I go, walking up Blue Ridge Cutoff right over by the stadium where there is somebody always asking me for money. Luckily, I have a trumpet with me so you will know that I'm about to reach into my pocket. I will pull one quarter out of my pocket and before I hand it in benevolence to this non-working homeless guy, I will... 
Here you go, homeless guy. And Jesus says, I would rather that your left hand didn't know what your right hand was doing. <laughs> Let alone everybody. Now, we understand that on the surface, but what is Jesus trying to get at on the heart level? Don't miss this. That there is no scenario in which Jesus' version of religion does not touch your money. Oh, see? You liked it when I was blowing the trumpet, but now we're talking about your pocketbook. Come on, somebody. There is no scenario in which your Christian faith, as Jesus describes it, does not touch in a violent way your cash. There is no scenario in Jesus' version of religion in which your money is yours or only for you. You see, Jesus' version of money is that it's just green paper with dead guys on it. That your value, that your worth, that your status aren't tied up in that. Now, the American version is that your status, your value, your worth is tied up in all of that. And Jesus says, that's not how my kingdom works. And Jesus assumes that as a Christian, you will know that yes, just because you showed up for that job doesn't mean that you were the one who enabled yourself to do that work. That if Jesus is like, today is the day that you see me, you aren't working anymore. Today is the day that you stop breathing. Today is the day your heart stops beating. Today is the day that your brain stops working. All of those things put you on unemployment. The fact that you got up and worked is the grace of God, and we're grateful for it. But why, why does God allow us to do it? Because there is work, work is valuable in and of itself. And because God is your provider, and so that you will know that the money that he gives you isn't just so you can have more. So you can be a blessing to somebody who has less. Jesus says, when you give to the poor, don't tell anybody, don't put it on Facebook or Instagram, or TikTok, or whatever the kids are using these days. Don't tell anybody. It's just a natural function of you serving a generous God. It's just a natural function of you understanding that yes, God provides for you, but he provides for almost all of us more than you need so that you can be a blessing to those who still have need. But what do we do? What do I do? Thank goodness I got a little extra cash. What can I, what can I buy? I can get another pair of shoes, another jacket, a bigger house, more food. And we pull up beside a guy who holds a sign and we say, get a job, man. He's just going to smoke it or drink it anyways. Jesus says, when you give to the poor. When you give to the poor. You already got this big LED wall. <laughs> when you give to the poor Jesus will later say you simply cannot serve God and money Matthew 6 24 no one can serve two masters for either he hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money and that sounds so black and white sure I can God here's what you don't understand God requires all consuming love and so does money if your money could talk and you could say, money, what, what can I do to help you? Your money would say, 
I would sure love if more of us was around. Money's never content. Money's never satisfied. That's why you always think you need a raise. (laughs) Money never says that's enough. And God says you can't serve that voracious of a God and until you start understanding that money is a God. You can't serve that voracious of a God and love me at the depth that I want you to love me. The two won't work together. God teaches that your heart is on a leash to your treasure. And the only thing that God wants your heart connected to is Him. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Jesus says when you give to the poor. Let's talk about righteousness. When you give to the poor. Secondly, when you pray. The Pharisees had turned this into an external exercise. They would walk down into the middle of the auditorium. Don't worry about following me, cameras, so you can still hear me. <laughs> or, heaven, hey, 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 man, I'm about to pray. Oh, hey, shh, shh, I'm about to pray. Or, he- this is going to be an incredible prayer, by the way. <laughs> hang in, hang in there, all right. My heavenly Father. You are going to be blessed by what I'm about to pray. Or they go out in the corner with a bullhorn. I'm about to pray, y'all. That's what the Pharisees would do. And Jesus says, you know what I'd like you to do? I'd love for you to go into your closet and pray in your head. Yeah. A lot of us, uh, we, we pray just to say what we'd like to say, and we want other people to listen, so we just act like we're talking to God, but really we're talking... I'm talking to them. Jesus says, I'd rather you go in your closet. Let's dig under what Jesus is talking about here. There is no scenario in which true religion leaves you in control. Why do I say that? Because prayer is an act of dependence. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I worship you because you're God and I'm not. Thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Thy will be done, not my will be done. Give me this day. If you don't provide for me, I'm not going to have what I need. And forgive me as I forgive those who have offended me. If you don't forgive me, I'm going I'm to be a bad way. And don't lead me into temptation. If you don't protect me, God, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, here's the reason that we don't like prayer. Because we don't like declaring, I don't know how, I can't do it, I'm not strong enough but you are. It has nothing to do with it being awkward. It has to do with prayer, rightfully understood, is violent to your ego. You cannot pray without inferring, I'm weak, I have need, I have limits, I'm dependent. That's what prayer is. And quite frankly, I don't like saying those things. Call it whatever you want. Call it religion, call it ego. I don't like telling anybody, I don't know how. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. If you don't help me, it ain't going to happen. So Jesus says, when you pray, you don't need to make it about other people. You don't need to make it about you. Go in your closet and talk to your father who loves you and is what you aren't and can do what you can't and has what you don't have and meet him in his limitlessness and your limitation. Now you think about this thing. Give to those who have need and declare your dependence. Jesus says this, these are the things that are central to religion in this kingdom. 
And then lastly, he talks about fasting. Fasting. Are you kidding me right now? Nobody likes to fast, not in America. We like to turn it into like a longevity thing. Oh, I'm intermittently fasting so I can live forever. But you turn it into like a seek God thing. Oh, it's so hard. I don't know. Yeah. The Pharisees had turned this into an external righteousness as well. Here's what they did. Oh, man. Bro, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fasting. Fasting. Just, I don't have any energy because I'm fasting. That's how godly I am. I'd just rather, rather fast than have energy. Just, just some fasting. Hey, did you all see how little energy have? I have. I'm fasting. And Jesus says what your grandmama said. Wash your face. Oil your hair. Comb your hair. Wash your face. Pull your shoulders back. Stand up straight. Stop walking around like a sucker. That's a slight translation. <laughs> I'd rather you just comb your hair and wash your face or just skip fasting altogether. Now let's dig into what Jesus is getting at in the heart. Jesus says that true religion means your money isn't only for you, it's for others. Jesus says true religion means you declare your dependence, your weakness, your limitation on the regular. And Jesus says true religion has to touch your desires and your appetites. But I want it, but should you? I can't stop eating it, smoking it, drinking it, saying it, going to it. And Jesus says, I'm trying to set you free from all those things. I don't want you to be in bondage to anything. So I want you to fast and focus on me, but in order for you to focus on God in an all-consuming way, you've got to put aside some of the other things that have your attention, your heart, your desires, your appetites. This is the reason I say don't eat, don't watch social media, don't drink coffee, don't do these things that are crutches for Depend entirely on God. Depend entirely on God. So what is, what is Jesus getting at? He is saying, and please don't miss this, Graceway. He is saying, Graceway, you can be correct, but not good. You can be correct. Yeah, 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 you're doing all the right things. It's still not good. You can be doing the right thing with the wrong motive. You can be doing, having the wrong motive or having the right motive but doing the wrong thing. And, and for hundreds of years, the church has been arguing this. No, it's just about the heart, right? Just about, and the other churches come, no, it's just about the fruit. We've got to be growing, we've got to be reaching people. No, 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 we don't have to worry about it. It's just about the heart. Let's just do like this aesthetic, monkish, like just, uh, we just want to give God the heart. No, 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 we've got to be out there and reaching people. And you see these different kinds of churches, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 it's both. It's both a righteousness that starts in your heart that moves to your actions. But if you leave your righteousness only in appearance, the only one who benefits is you. Let's boil our righteousness down. Are you ready for this? You want to boil all righteousness down. It's a big word. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying deal with your flesh and your desires fast. He's saying be in relationship with and dependent on God, prayer. He's saying generously care for and love your neighbor, especially those in need. Alms. Practice those three things and call me in the morning. 
Jesus goes on, he says, these practices have a motivation. Now remember, Jesus originally had said, let your light shine before men so they might see your good works. And now he's saying, go into the closet. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Put your trumpet back in its case. Is it a contradiction? No, no, no. Jesus is saying, ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Jesus is saying there are certain things that when I do them with a certain motivation, the only thing that people see is me doing it. And there are other things that when I do them with a certain motivation, people see past me and glorify God. Some things that we do religiously are like a cul-de-sac. That's all there is to see. Yep, Tim wore it. Yep, Tim said it. Yep, Tim did it. Good job, Tim. And other things that Tim does, and often these are the more humble, heartfelt things, you go, yeah, 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 Tim, look at God. It's not a cul-de-sac, it's an avenue. Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in cul-de-sac religion. I'm interested in you doing things that the world doesn't think are great, but anytime you do them, they see me. The world doesn't think are powerful or status or affluent or have influence, but my kingdom doesn't work that way. So when you go into your closet and pray, people will see me and they will forget you. When you anonymously serve the poor, people don't care about that, but they'll see me through it. When you fast, fast, how are people going to see me? Because they're going to see your desires and your appetite and over time, They're going to see me through the humble means of my kingdom. The ultimate choice is always, it's as simple as this, friends. You can please God or you can please you. You see, the reason that I want to be seen is because I want to feel a certain way. The reason that I want you to see, look at my jacket. Look at what I did. Look at what I'm saying. Look at, do-do-do-do. Here I go, hand of the thing. Look at me praying. Look at me fasting. Look at me doing it. It's because you look at me and say, gosh, Tim's so godly. Yes, I am. And Jesus says, you got what you wanted. And this is the thing that's interesting. Our motivations always give us the reward that we're looking for. Think about this. You get what you want. The question isn't whether or not you get what you want. The question is, are you sure that's what you want? And the reality of it is that we're very focused on what do I get out of it? And God's very focused on what do you want? So Jesus says all of these things have a reward with them. External, man-aimed righteousness brings a reward. Good job, Tim. There it is. You got it. External righteousness brings short-lived admiration. But internal, God-aimed righteousness brings heavenly reward. The purpose of the church is to bring the future kingdom of God into the present. And a follower of God knows that the present is all that I'm promised, but it's not all that there is. One day, I am going to stand before God in the future, and I'm going to give an account of what I wanted and how I lived my life. Now, what does this mean? There's two types of people in this room. One are people who have committed themselves to the way of Jesus. And you come here week after week, and I sincerely, I love you. I think here's what God is saying to us. 
there are some of you that, yeah, you're in the faith. But some of you are going to stand before God in the future. I am going to stand before God in the future. And God is going to apply the fire of His holiness, not toward my deeds, toward my wants. And God says, some of you on that day are going to experience loss because you never wanted God Himself. Yeah, 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 you did all the things. You were correct in all the things that you did, but they burned up and you got what you wanted on the other side of eternity. Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 25 that at the end of time, He's going to sit on His throne and the righteous and the unrighteous are going to be before Him. And He's going to call the righteous up and He's going to say, welcome into my kingdom. Thanks for doing what you did. And the righteous are going to say, this is in Matthew 25, what did we do for you? He's going to say, you fed me. You clothed me. You you." You took care of me. And the righteous is going to say, when did we do that? And he's going to say, you did it to me when you did it to the least of these. Welcome into my kingdom. And he's going to say to the unrighteous, and this should scare the mess out of you. You never clothed me. You never fed me. You never took care of me. What do you mean we were at church? We were reading the Bible. We were in a small group. We were doing the thing. But you never showed your heart for me by those who needed me. Depart from me. I think this is a gut check for us, Graceway. I love so much about this church. I said it at the beginning. But I need us to never forget this isn't about anybody in this room. This is about Jesus. It's not about all the things we do, the people we send and the money we give and all this. If we ever forget that this is only solely exclusively about Jesus and we stand before God and God says, you did a lot of correct things, but it was never good because it was never because you loved me, Graceway. You had a big building and LED walls and all of these things and Raytown was doing its thing and you never looked outside the walls. You never imaged me. You never told anybody that I love them. You never brought my kingdom into the present and now you're here wanting to come in and you don't understand what you've been a part of, Graceway. There's another kind of person in this room and it's the kind of person who has never considered that there's more after their last breath. You think that all there is is today. You think that all there is is the kingdoms of this world that you see on the news. Romans says there are things that you can't know unless somebody tells you. So I want to tell you. One day, you're going to draw your last breath. I hope it's a long way off after a long and happy life. And in whatever exchange of reality, you're going to open your eyes and you're going to be standing before your creator, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's gonna say something like this. I've known you your whole life. I've loved you your whole life. I love you so much that even though you didn't know I existed and you weren't interested in me, I had sent the most precious thing that I have, him, my son, so you could have a relationship with me. And so I have one question to ask you. What'd you do with him? What do you think about him? What'd you do with the gift of life that I gave you?
And your answer needs to be, he gave his life for me, so I gave my life to him. And I tried to love him. I tried to serve him. And I tried to image his kingdom. And I tried to be a blessing to you. And I love you. And I'm so happy to be here. And I can't believe I get to do this for all eternity. Scripture says that that day is coming, but today is the day of salvation. If you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a kingdom of a God who loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. He's more good. He's more kind. He's more loving. And simultaneously, he's overwhelmingly powerful. He wants a relationship with you. And he has your entire life. I love you to give him your life today. God, I love you. God, on behalf of this church that I love for 80 years, you've been faithful to this church. And Lord, there's a lot of wonderful things about this church. Lord, I just pray that we'll be deepened in our love for you. There's a lot of things the church can be known for pray that this church is known for that's the place that loves Jesus that's the place that loves their neighbors Lord if we could stand before you and you say you love me well and you loved your city well we'd be honored Lord for anybody in this room who needs to repent needs to shift needs to change for anybody in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you Lord I know that the welcome mat is always there, that the door is always open, that the day of salvation is always today. I pray, Lord, that you would purify and cleanse and strengthen this church and that you would bring people home today for your glory and for our joy. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray.